In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the Zechut for speaking to Rav Zev Goldberg. Rav Goldberg is the rabbi at Young Israel of Fort Lee and previously was rabbi at Young Israel of Century City in LA. He teaches at Berea High School for Girls and Smicha students at YU. He is the current vice president of the Rabbinical Council of Bergen County, where he serves as Dayan on its Bet Din for conversion. He previously served on the executive committee of the Rabbinical Council of America. Rabbi Goldberg studied at Yeshivat Karen Biyamna and received smicha from REITs, an undergraduate from YU in economics. Thank you so much, Rav Zeb Goldberg, for joining us today. It's a real zakhut to have you with us. Thank you. My pleasure, Darcy. Happy to be here. So it's Desert Island Torah. Three pieces of Torah that you would take to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to finding out and learning with you. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? Sure. Excellent. So I've been thinking a lot about how to select, you know, three divrei Torah that I would take to a desert island. You know, I, I think we would, I would want to bring something that would give me strength. Um, and I, I thought about three different divrei Torah that I think about quite often, that I do find strength from. So I'm very excited to share them with you today and the broader audience that will listen to this podcast. I would I would basically summarize my three, three different Divrei Torah just with like three words, Shabbos, prayer, and people. So I'm happy to start with Shabbos Bar Torah. And I picked this one in particular because I figure if I'm on a desert island, Shabbos will be somewhat lonely. And you need a little bit of chizuk when you're going through Shabbos uh, in isolation. And this particular Devar Torah, I find to be exceptionally inspirational. You know, in the Aseris Hadibros, in the Ten Commandments, when we learn about Shabbos, the Torah tells us as follows, For in six days, God created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's found within it, and God rested on the seventh, whatever that means. Of course, God didn't exert himself during the first six days. He wasn't sweating as he was creating the universe. But God rested on the seventh. And that's why God blessed the Sabbath and sanctified it. Pretty standard pasuk. Some people even say uh, this particular verse as an introduction to the Shabbos Day Kiddush. But there is a letter missing in this very beautiful and well-known Pasuk. Because I translated the English deliberately, and it doesn't fit precisely with the Hebrew. The, the Torah should have said, Ki b'sheshes yamin, asa Hashem es hashamayim es haaretz es hayam es kol And in six days, God created the heaven, the earth, so on and so forth, right? The Prefix bays means in. Ki b'sheshes yamim. In six days, God created the heavens and the earth. But that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says ki sheshes yamim. For six days. So it comes along the Orachayim HaKadosh, Rabbi Chaim Ibn Atar, one of the great biblical commentaries from Morocco. And he explains that God only creates the universe for six days. That's all. And if it wasn't for Shabbos arriving precisely when it does, 
the universe would explode or implode, whichever scientific term you'd like to use. Because Hashem only endows the, the, the universe with the strength to go for six days. And then Shabbos comes along. It's a spiritual rejuvenation. And the world has the kayach. It has the strength to endure for another six days. And if the next Shabbos would delay its arrival by even a nanosecond, again, the world would explode. Shabbos comes, and there's a spiritual rejuvenation, and it's a continuous cycle from week to week. Says the Orachayim, that's why the Torah does not include the base. That's why the language of the Torah is, Ki sheishes yamim, asa Hashem es hashamayim yasares, because God created the world for six days, and only six days. Not one moment beyond the next Shabbos, which provides that rejuvenation. I think that's a beautiful idea. And Darcy, I picked it because it is a Torah that I actually shared at one of my son's Shalom Zachars. It's always a question, what is the deeper significance of the Shalom Zachar? And the answer that I shared a number of years ago is that we're trying to send a message to this little baby boy who just joined the universe. And we're letting him know that the world is really crazy sometimes. And you just make it into Shabbos. But when Shabbos arrives and you rendezvous with the Melech Malchei Hamlachim, so that gives a kayach, that gives a strength that can endure for another six days. And then Shabbos comes along again. It's such a powerful idea. I remember sharing it at my, shalom, my son's Shalom Zachar, and it just has, has stuck with me. Because some weeks really are tough, and you feel like Shabbos arrives just at the right second. And it's a reminder of how special Shabbos is, how rejuvenating Shabbos is. So even if I would be alone on a desert island, I hope that Shabbos would be inspirational, rejuvenating, and give me the strength to endure on my own for the next six days that would follow. That's idea number one. I love that statement that Hashem only creates the universe for six days because we as human beings work for six days and we partner with Hashem and His creation and we work and we fill the earth just as when Hashem created the world, we too partner with Him to recreate it. I think that's like my favourite Devar Torah about Shabbos. Um, and that seventh day, we aren't creating the world, we aren't working, and we reflect on it, and we rest, and I think it's really beautiful. Sure. So that's idea number one. Uh, the second idea that I would take with me to a desert island relates to prayer, because I figured if I'm on a desert island, I'd want to dive in to get off, so prayer is so important. And I'm very fond of a very beautiful insight of Rabbi Salavichik related to the very origins of prayer. You know, there is a very um, big machlokas disagreement between the Rambam and the Ramban, between Maimonides and Nachmanides, pertaining to the obligation to pray. Maimonides, the Rambam's position, which you can see in Hilchos Tefillah, Paragalaf Halacha Aleph, is that there is a daily obligation to pray, and that daily obligation is found in the Torah itself based on a number of sources, 
probably the most well-known source is the Gemara Mitzvah Ainis, which itself is working off of a Pasuk, which we say in the Shema, Ula Avdo We're told to serve Hashem with our whole heart. And the Gemara Mitzvah Ainis asks, What is the service of the heart? That's a reference to prayer. So the Rambam understood based on that Pasuk and an additional Pasuk found in Parshas Mishpatim that Avoda service can sometimes refer to prayer. Not always. Sometimes Avoda means the work we do in the Mishkan and the base of English. But it's not uncommon that the word Avoda is also used in the context of prayer. So for Maimonides, for the Rambam, the Torah tells us Worship Hashem with your whole heart. That means daily prayer. Daily prayer. And so, for the Rambam, when a Jew davens at least once a day, it's a fulfillment of a biblical obligation. Comes along the Ramban, Nachmanides, and he vociferously disagrees. The Ramban's position is that prayer is only a biblical commandment in a time of great stress. The Ramban looks at a different verse in the Torah, where the Torah and Sefer Bamidbar tells us to blow the chatzotzos, blow the trumpets, in a time of war, when, a, when an enemy comes to attack. The Ramban says that that's a model for prayer. We don't only blow trumpets, we, we, we pray. So in a time of great distress, that's when the Torah demands that we pray. But daily prayer, that's only rabbinically only uh, rabbinically ordained. So we have here a very major fundamental disagreement regarding what is the nature of daily prayer. For the Rambam, daily prayer is the Oraisa from the Torah. And for the Ramban with the Nun, daily prayer is only a rabbinic obligation. So it seems at first glance that this is quite a widespread, right? The chasm between these two positions is, is, is quite deep. But the Rav, yeah, so the Rav explains as follows. The Rav says that this gap is actually not quite as wide as we once thought it was. Both for the Rambam and for the Ramban, prayer is obligated it becomes, a, it becomes something that we are mandated to do in a time of distress. It's simply that for the Rambam, the men, it's a daily distress. Right? If we would stop and think about how vulnerable we are, probably are reminded of that pretty often on a desert island. But if we would just stop and think about how vulnerable we are, how reliant we are on our hearts to pump the blood, on our lungs to breathe in the oxygen, on our liver to filter our blood. We're so vulnerable as human beings, incredibly vulnerable. So for the Rambam, that daily realization that our vulnerability is so great and we are so reliant on God, that is a daily obligation to pray. And the Ramban disagrees. The Ramban's position is that the daily distresses are not enough to mandate, are not enough to warrant prayer from the Torah. 
It has to be something highly unusual, an enemy, God forbid, attacking from the outside, a, a terrible a famine, something along those lines. But the daily vicissitudes of life, the daily vulnerabilities, that's not enough to require prayer. But the tzad hashavet, in other words, the equalizing dimension to this insight is that prayer emerges from vulnerability. The greatest time we can connect with God is when we realize how much of a mere mortal I am, we are, how powerful God is. And it's in that moment of vulnerability that prayer and connection emerge. For the Rambam, every day we take stock of our frailty as human beings and we pray on a biblical level. For the Ramban, it has to be something more unusual in order for prayer to be mandated biblically. But in both cases, it's our awareness of our frailty and vulnerability and our reliance on the Melech Machim Lachim that allows human beings to connect with our Father in Heaven. I think that's a very important idea to keep in mind on the desert island. As I mentioned, it's probably something that somebody stuck on a desert island thinks about all the time, just how vulnerable they are. And unfortunately, we lose sight of that. Over the course of life, we believe that we are stronger than we really are. We believe, certainly those who are young, believe there's a certain invincibility to our youth and to our uh, you know, physical condition, you know, other people suffer, not us. And that's not true. And the more that we take stock in just how reliant we are on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the more powerful and profound our connection through tefillah really can be. So that's idea number two. Absolutely. Love that. Um, yeah, I guess tefillah is really about sharing parts of yourself with Hashem and in Shwana Esrei, we say, Alakei Abraham, Alakei Yitzhak, Alakei Yaakov. There's that individual for each of them, and we have that individual connection to Hashem with our tefillah, and we find ways to do it in through how you explained. Um, and I think it's so powerful in terms of the desert island, absolutely. Yeah. Someone once, someone once said, if you're finding something to be grateful for, take your pulse. It's a nice idea. Right? Just the fact that we're alive and, and well is enough reason to be grateful. So I would tweak that a little bit. I would say if you're having a hard time happening, take your pulse. All right? And realize that your heart doesn't pump on its own and your lungs don't breathe in air on their own. We're, we're so reliant on Hashem. We just give ourselves an out to ignore that by believing in our own in our own strength. And that's you know, to listen, to, to, to think for every moment of the day that your body might start stop working can make someone, you know, lose their mind. That's not healthy. You're not supposed to focus in on your vulnerabilities every single moment of every day. You can re really have a hard time struggling with anxiety under those circumstances. But at three distinct points during the day to take stock in how reliant you are on the master of the universe, that's something healthy that breeds a certain humility that I think is, is meant to emerge through a truthful experience of prayer. Absolutely. Yes. Should we go into your third piece? Please. Okay, so remember I said Shabbos, prayer, and now people. So the, the people that I'm referring to are Amisra. 
And if I was really on a desert island, Darcy, I would put a lot of stock. Why Yisrael is going to look high and low to find any Jew that's lost. Because that really is the trademark of being part of Knesset Yisrael. The concept that no matter where a Jew is, no matter how far away they may be, there will be other Jews that will come to find. There will be other Jews that will rush to the aid of that one Jew who is in trouble. There are so many different sources that you can draw upon to make this point. But one of my favorite come from the very comes from the very beginning of Sefer Shemos, where the Torah tells us that uh, Moshe is placed in a basket by his mother, by Yochabed, and she puts him in the Nile, and of course she's not really sure what's going to happen to this little baby. And he starts floating down the river and he's found by Basparo. Well, well-known narrative in the beginning of Sefer Shemos. And the Torah tells us as follows. Uh, when Basparo ultimately finds this uh, little baby floating down the Nile. Batiftach, batir ehu es hayeled. She opened the basket and she sees the, the little child. Take note of the fact that the Torah says yeled. She sees the little child. na'ar And behold, the lad... Is crying. Batachmol alav, basparo batya has mercy on the child. Batomer and she says miyadei ha'ivrim zeh. This one is from the Jews. So there is a, a switch that takes place in this pasuk, right? On the in the front part, in the front end of the pasuk, it says vatirehu as hayeled. That batya sees. The, the child, the yelled. But then the Torah uses the word na'ar. na'ar, the lad, is crying. Now, what's the difference between a yelled and a na'ar? Well, a yelled refers to a young baby boy. A na'ar refers to a older boy. So why does the Torah use two words, especially Moshe is just a couple of months old at this point. So Rashi explains that Moshe's voice was thick and young boy-like, not just like baby-like, but like a young boy's voice. And that's why the Torah uses the word nar. But there's a different interpretation from the Baal HaTurim, I believe. And the Baal HaTurim says, And behold, the lad was crying, ze Aharon. It was Aaron crying. Because Miriam and Aaron ran down the river as Moshe's basket was floating away. And they were keeping an eye on their little baby brother. And when Batya finds the baby, so Aaron is only three years older, start, starts crying, that's my baby brother. And says the Balaturim, that's why Batya knew that this baby was Jewish. Batomer, if she could, if she saw that the an older brother was crying for a younger brother, ah, ha'ivrimza. This must be a Jewish baby, because that's what we do. We cry for one another. We deeply feel for one another. It's it's not okay. 
if Achenu B'nai Israel are suffering, it's not okay for me here in America if there are terrorist attacks in Israel. My life does not just continue on. It doesn't mean that there's necessarily a recognizable change. I have to go about my daily activities. But inside, there's sadness. And it's dafka, the ability for one Jew to feel so deeply for another Jew that that is the recognizable factor of our peoplehood. That's why Batya said, This must be a Jewish boy to have such a deep connection between one and another. And I think that would give me a lot of chizuk on the desert island to, to understand that I know I'm lost, you know, but they're going to look for me because that's the hallmark of Judaism, that deep sense of connection one to another. So profound, the ability to cry and sometimes do more than cry, to act on behalf of someone else is so profound. Darcy, I know that you're in England right now, but in America, we have some fabulous chesed organizations that are here just for the purpose of helping out Jews. I mean, everyone knows about Hatzalah and Ms. Askim. There's this wonderful organization, Chaverim. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. You have pretty much any issue you can call. And there are dudes that are volunteering just to be helpful. You have a flat tire, we'll be there in five minutes. You, you, you can't reach the roof and you're trying to clean your gutters, you need help, we'll come, we'll help you. We'll hold down the ladder while you climb up. I mean, it's unbelievable the depth of the chesed that is available. And it all goes back the very beginning, when Aaron was crying to Moshe, ah, that's a Jew. And so I believe these three Divrei Torah would provide a lot of comfort for me if I had to spend more time than I wanted to by myself. The, the power of Shabbos, the six days that give, the six days that, that end just at the right time for Shabbos to give rejuvenation for another six days, the concept that prayer emerges from distress and vulnerability, and lastly, that the Jewish people are defined by our ability to cry for one another. I think these three ideas would give a lot of chizah so that I could wait it out until someone comes to save me on this desert island. Absolutely. And just going back to your last point, it's interesting on the theme of Sefer Shmot. Um, just recently in Parashat Bo, we read about um, the Makot, the last two of the Makot and Chokshak, and it's arguably known as the worst. And the, the Hadushi Harim um, explains that darkness led to like one not being able to see another person. And I think the bigger message of that is that we should never have to be in darkness. We should always acknowledge our neighbor of being part of a people. Um, we should interact with people and you know, look out for people in all situations and not live through any darkness. Sure. Um, and it's a really powerful message. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Darcy. Thank you so much once again for coming on. It was a real zikhat to learn with you. Thank you very much. Have a Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.